Opening program parameters. Player code established. Welcome, Welcome. to the program. A production of TheMetalRobot.com Nobody cares about the robot gimmick! Just start the fucking show already! Ugh. Humans are determined assholes. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. Initializing playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, the podcast about all things metal and everything in between. Man, it's been a quiet week for me, but feel for me next week, I'll be booked up getting more people for you on this podcast. So I run the risk of next week ending with disheveled hair, 20 empty pints of beer, and a scent that only a raccoon could love. We've got some great stuff coming down the pipeline, though, so stay tuned for that. But this week, we're on episode 25 of the show, and we've got a fantastic show for you as well. Scattered Hamlet, Southern Fry, Southern something metal band, will be joining us from five months ago, because I suck at getting shit out on time. As well, the finale of my interview with Tom, TDW DeWitt, that's been ongoing for the past few episodes. We've also got your weekly dose of metal news, but coming up in a few short moments, we'll get into Papa Roach's new album, yeah, that'll be interesting, and other new releases from this week. All this and more, so let's not waste much more time and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay and this is the Metal Robot Podcast. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Episode 25 of the Metal Robot Podcast. Welcome back. I'm your host, Tom McKay. Thank you so much for joining me if this is your first time here. Now, before we continue with this uh, with this podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to a friend of mine here. You see, if you go to my Instagram, at the dot metal robot, I posted a picture of some watercolor art that was made by a friend of mine uh, who just did a fantastic job. It's got a skull on it. It's got a yellow banner on the back with the text Metal Robot Reviews. Below it, more blood than a Tarantino film. And also, behind the blood, a white snowy forest. You cannot get more metal than that, and I really do like that. Now, here's the funny thing about that. She claims that she is not into metal. She doesn't listen to metal, but I think she knows more than she's leading on there. Thanks again, Anna, for making it. It's much appreciated. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into the show. It's episode 25. It's a new week, and that means new releases, including a request release from you. If you have any albums you want me to talk about on future episodes of the podcast, send me an email, tmckay at themetalrobot.com. That's T-M-C-K-A-Y at themetalrobot.com. Or reach out on my socials, Facebook and Twitter at themetalrobot, Instagram at the dot metal robot. Be sure to also use the hashtag MetalRobotReviews so I can find you. Now, without further ado, let's take a look at what we've got. So, Papa Roach Ego Trip. Uh, wait, are they metal? Like, are these guys still classified? This is one of the hardest parts of my job. I don't know who is metal and who isn't. You'd think it wouldn't matter, but oh boy, call Event Sevenfold a metal band one time and the elitists will never let you live it down. But then again, I also keep most of their parts in storage, so I think I'm okay to talk about this. But still, Papa Roach's new album is an album that the Roach fans are going to love above all else. It definitely has the kind of energy to it that early Roach fans are going to eat the shit out of. Jacoby Shaddix's vocal performance is still as strong as it was back in the 90s. It's not full-blown Queen or anything, but his cleans are still rough, despite the amount of obvious processing and tuning there is. And he has an earth-shattering shout that's on par with others in the style. I'm not a fan of his rapping style. He sounds more whiny than Gizmo from Teen Titans. Let me tell you! 
But apart from that, he's okay. Outside of Jacoby though, the rest of the album is pretty meh overall. While you get some great production work throughout, it might actually be the best part of this album. The songwriting is pretty lackluster. The drums are the basic four on the floor shit you would expect out of the new metal scene, and barely even an interesting fill to bring any interest. The bass is attacking the subs hard, but they're mostly following the guitars, which are also only okay. I do have to say though, if you listen to this long enough to get to Swerve, which I know getting to track 3 shouldn't be that hard, but I've seen death metal fans get vertigo listening to a better new metal album, but if you get to Swerve, you're greeted with better new metal than late 2000s Papa Roach in the form of a Fever 333 collab. They add quite a bit to the song and prop it up much more than Papa Roach ever could. Outside of that though, there's not much of a sell for these guys. If you like Papa Roach, then you can ignore me and just grab the album, but with a 10 out of 15, this ego trip is only here to inflate the band's bank account to stay above water. Shirks. Yes, shirks. I know it's probably pronounced sharks, but there's no A, and it's much more fun to say shirks over and over again. Shirks. Like, it's fun, so I'm calling them shirks from now on. Shirks. I do expect your dissenting comments in my Twitter feed, but this great white self-titled was requested by the band's lead vocalist, Greg, who sent me a DM on Facebook saying, quote, I wanted to reach out to you and see what your thoughts are on having shirks on your podcast. I really like what I've heard, and I think you put together a pretty great production. Well, thank you, Greg. In case you didn't know, he's also one of the many members of Homie Yusha, so reaching out to me wasn't really that hard given that we're part of the same project. Ah, uh, thanks for reaching out anyways, dude. <laughs> so, Shirks is the debut album from this trio of electronic metalers, and, well, I'll be honest, I don't know how to feel about this one. Like, okay, that sounds bad, but here's what I'll say. When it comes to song crafting, I really enjoyed what was on display. It has the mix of heavy groove metal that many Dagoba fans would get behind, and also the kind of intense riff crafting of a thrash metal record in some places. The drums are also super tight, and the bass! Well, it was harder to hear the bass, but what can you do when your bass player is also a drummer? And Greg's vocal performance is very strong here. He has a rough-around-the-edges approach, yet it's also so cleanly cut that you forget this is for a metal album. The synth work is also fairly good as well. I thought it was a bit distracting in some places, but again, drummer. <laughs> I kid. Max is basically carrying the whole thing on his back like fucking Atlas, so I can't blame him. Really, I only have kind of one thing, one problem that I have right now, and it's with the production. I mean, I am just coming off of a Papa Roach album where the production was so clean, if it got any cleaner, it'd be a Mr. Clean commercial, but it was fairly inconsistent here in a lot of places, and it became a slight distraction overall. Especially early in the album, many of the synth and drums were pushed so far forward, while the guitars took a backseat with the vocals, and many of the EQ choices early on I really could not understand. Craig's vocals got pushed so heavy into high end to help him stand out more that he was getting dogs in a five mile radius of my person riled up. It got better later on as the album progressed, but a lot more work needs to be done to get this style to work. Very good start overall though for a first album, I'd say about a 12 out of 15, it's worth digging into and keeping your ear to the ground on. If nothing else though, just because saying shirks is really fun. Shirks! Plain packed transactinides. Uh, I well, I, I I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this one either. Like, okay, let's 
let's talk about what I did enjoy about this album. The album has a very heavy leaning into the electronic space again. Plain Pact does describe themselves as Metaltronica, and that's in full view with this album. It kind of reminds me a bit of something like Nintendo Core, but with more heavy metal influences. Plus, the album is a journey through the experiences of the frontwoman Jessica Cragen and her experiences transitioning, which I think is a great thing to talk about and shine a light on, especially in the metal scene. And that's where the good ends, and we begin with the descent into madness that is this album's negative side. Buckle up, folks, we're in for a fucking ride. Okay, full disclosure, front and center, this style isn't my area of expertise, so everything I'm saying is straight up from an outsider's perspective. Maybe this is the norm in this style, but I couldn't stand some of the choices on this album. First up, the production absolutely destroys the album sound till it's a bad 8-bit video game soundtrack. Maybe that's the whole point, but it doesn't detract from the fact that this was super distracting to listen to and it took away from the quality of the music. The guitars sound muted, the drums are so heavily programmed and sampled, it sounds more like a drum machine than a MIDI library, some of the synth choices I question drastically, and it's mixed so poorly that the bass feels non-existent. Actually, who am I kidding? They are non-existent. I know this because I listened to this on bass-boosted headphones and felt absolutely none of the low end whatsoever. Why the fuck is Papa Roach the only band that features any kind of low end? I'm astounded here today. Now look, I'm able to forgive lackluster production if it serves the album better that way, but honestly, I'm not sure it does here. But okay, even then, I can forgive poor quality production if the performances are there. After all, metal has bad production all the time, but also some greatly performed sections. On Transactinides, outside of maybe the guitars and the screams, everything is either off-key or gridlocked with the velocity turned up to 127. This wasn't so much a performance, more like a mess of electronic farts. And yeah, in case you're wondering, the off-key part was more directed at the clean vocals. Look, Jessica has a great-sounding scream that would greatly serve a black metal band, but her cleans are so distractingly atonal that I'm shocked the band chose not to use autotune. Actually, why didn't you though? This album is so electronically driven in everything, why not team paying the shit out of the voice? If you're gonna go electronica, go all out with it! Look, I get that maybe all of this was intentional, and again, I'm not an expert in this style, so I don't personally know, but let me make this clear. This was a demo. This was a demo that got leaked to the public before it was ready. While compositionally it was good, the shitty production and mixing was super distracting, and the vocals were half visceral and half in a different song. So while I'm sure this will be for somebody, I have to give this a 5 out of 15 here. This isn't the worst thing I've ever heard, but that doesn't make it any better. Okay, I know I tend to treat metalcore the same way I treat thrash metal on this channel, but I'm actually a metalcore fan. Like, I am, seriously, no joke. And, and KZRN's latest Lost Among the Living kind of points that out to me. I actually enjoy this EP quite a bit, despite not being anything different from anything that's ever been put out. I mean, yeah, maybe it's because metalcore was a genre I got into quite early into my metalhead existence, but when we get into the reverse delay opening and melodic chords and licks of Hear Me, to the breakdown opening of Enter the Realm, the chorus of Scatterbrain, and gah! I'm taken back to the days when I was listening to Killswitch Engage and thinking, there's no way this can be ruined for me! 
No way. I enjoyed this though, and yeah, that Kill Switch reference was not accidental either. This isn't the kind of metalcore that you probably think of nowadays, stuff like Architects and Fit for a King. No, 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 no. This is early 2000s metalcore. I'm talking Kill Switch Engage, Hate Breed, Early Bullet for My Valentine, and As I Lay Crying Like a Pussy. No, I didn't mess that name up, and you can't convince me otherwise. This EP front to back is a metalcore treat. The guitars and bass are in sync with their riffs and melodic chord progressions, the drums are pounding and tasteful in their fills, and the vocals are teeth-cutting in their delivery. And that's just the main trio here. The guest performances are also fun as well, with Mads Winter on Hear Me, the great core singing on Human by Hank Plegmars, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and many more collaborations on this album. This is a great example of metalcore done right. That is also coming from a fan. Um... Hmm. Is my life a lie? Is my taste in music horrible? I may never know. Okay, okay, so existential dread aside, this is a bit of a problem for me as a critic. I enjoyed this album and what it had to offer, front to back, but I'm also biased because it took me back to the early days of my metal listening experience. But I know that many of you listening to this podcast probably aren't into metalcore and never were. So, what is there about this album that can draw you in? Well, if metalcore isn't your thing, probably not a lot to be honest. Regardless though, if you are looking to give metalcore a chance or you are a metalcore fan, then you'll enjoy this album and I would highly recommend checking it out. But if you think metalcore is a disdain on the metal name and needs to be wiped from the face of the earth, core is absolutely horrible, then I hope you enjoy that ignorant bliss, but still, fuck it, 13 and a half out of 15, go get it. And that's it for reviews. Like I said earlier, send your emails to tmckay at themetalrobot.com or reach out on my socials for any albums you would like covered on the podcast or on the main YouTube show. Don't go anywhere, we got Scattered Hamlet coming right up on the Metal Robot Podcast. Lufero is back at it again with more live music. Luthera will be back at the Absent in Hamilton, Ontario. But Mr. Robot, sir, I don't live there. No excuses! Grab a bus, grab a plane, grab a fucking hot air balloon if you have to! Everybody has one! No excuses! <clears throat> uh, tickets are $15 at the door. But you can go to... Ticketscene.ca slash events slash 39903 before doors open at 8.30pm on April 29th to get them for only $12. Get your tickets while they're still cheap. Looking to stay up to date on all things Metal Robot? No, not really. What? Why? I don't listen to metal. How are you listening to this podcast? I thought it was Joe Rogan. We're gonna pretend he didn't say that. Follow the show wherever you tread on social media. Facebook and Twitter. At The Metal Robot. Instagram. At The Dot Metal Robot. You can even join the Metal Robot Discord server. We have fun there. Links to all of that and more in the description of this podcast. Follow now. You're listening to NRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. That was Stereo Overthrow by Scattered Hamlet, a blend of Americana, Motorhead, and a punk rock attitude. I shit thee not, that's what's written in the promo for the album. I can't make this up even if I tried. Now, the album was released back last year in November, and with it, I sat down with the band over Zoom, five months ago, but who cares, to talk all about it, and turned it into a nearly one-hour chat about 
fuck, whatever. The album got talked about, sure, but everything else also got talked about, too. It was like if you put four ADHD people in the same room to talk about butterflies, and then 20 minutes in, we kind of forgot where the hell we were, why we were there to begin with, saw a squirrel outside the window, tried to crash through to get it. You know, typical, typical ADHD stuff, you know? So we're going to begin that chaos today, but before we get in, I want to give you a bit of context for this audio. You see, this was originally meant for the main YouTube show, and in the main YouTube show, I always give an intro monologue, kind of something like this, but that intro monologue was not great for the podcast, so I'm doing this one now. But during that original monologue, they uh, started talking in the middle of it while I'm cracking jokes. They were cracking jokes with me, and I'm kind of playing it off like I'm hearing the voices of people who aren't supposed to be talking yet, and we're just playing off of that. So that's kind of what we get into at the beginning of this part, so hope you don't mind. There you go. There's your context. Let's get into it. This is Scattered Hamlet, part one. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Sorry we didn't awesome. interrupt you. No, no, no. I, you guys weren't interrupting anything. All I know is that I have, like, my intro in front of me, and all I see at, while I'm doing the whole fucking, like, uh, Lemmings Over a Cliff bit, all I see is Adam in the center going, Hoja! Yeah. Hoja! Hoja! Yeah, I'm, I'm passing some Omicron to He's these practicing. <laughs> oh, no. Topical. Nice. Doesn't Omicron, doesn't it? That sounds like some shit Megatron brought down. With yeah, it sounds, like str- it sounds like something strong. It sounds like something out of one of the Halo games. Like, this, yeah, it's, like this isn't real. Omicron. At least it's more badass sounding than, like, you know, I got some Delta. Like, no, I got some fucking Omicron. <laughs> that's some serious stuff. You know, like, I mean, that sounds more serious to me. You know, I don't like, want to. Omicron sounds cool. Delta is an airline. Like, we don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, first of all, thank yeah, you guys. What's that flower? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Uh, like I said, we've got Adam, we've got Sean, and we've got uh, we've got Grant. Who else is I know there's another person in the band. Uh, who is this person? Uh, he is, he's Richard, the old Kentucky bastard, Irwin. He is currently driving from Los Angeles to Louisville, Kentucky right now. <laughs> uh, so he couldn't make it for this interview. That's he okay make it for the interview, but he's probably on the side of the road. He's probably near New Mexico somewhere. And you start getting in New Mexico, uh, weird stuff happens. <laughs> he's driving the whole way in an old power wheels car from the 80s. Yeah. He's not super bad. He's, if you watched our all talk video, he's actually driving in the car from that video. He fixed it. I mean, after Sean flicked the truck nuts on it, it wrecked and it blew up, but we fixed it. Yeah, my dad's got a killer set of tools. Like we're, pretty handy. we're pretty handy. Does so. it ride like a dream? Is that is that what you're saying right now? It <laughs> <laughs> no, it's semi-reliable. It's a job. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Fuck. Adam's, fa- Adam's face says it all. It's just like, well, maybe I guess yeah. it functions. It's on four wheels. They work. That's all. Yeah. Sometimes you got a flintstone. It you got to yeah, put your feet on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it gets it's like there. a skateboard. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's the only way. Uh, doing that through through New Mexico, that I I want to I'm picturing that right now, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Unfortunately, he plays bass, so he makes the least amount of money, so he doesn't have all <laughs> cars like we do. <laughs> so, he only four strings. It's only four strings. Like the rest of us, you know, we got it's way know, more work. Yeah, it's it's just more work. So he's only got know. four strings. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're not gonna like mix them out like they did with Jason Newstead or anything, but you know. Like, <laughs> It's definitely. <laughs> well, from what I heard from the yeah. new album, I would hope to God you didn't. I, at that point, I'd have to ask what the fuck was happening in the low end. But dude, Robert, Robert's such a monster on bass too. You know, like he's oh. so good, man. He's, he's, so, he's, I also love the fact that we started this interview like what four minutes ago. We haven't even gotten to the first question. I love oh, this. Yeah. Well, I, this is so far my favorite I'm, interview I'm, thus I'm far. You know, it's good. 
we're famous for taking people in weird directions, man. Like, we, <laughs> That's we how you exactly that's how you know it's gonna be a good interview when you can't even get to the first question <laughs> after four minutes but uh thank you uh, thank you guys so much for uh coming on the show up uh, real quick for for the viewers at home who may not have heard of you guys before uh who is what is scattered hamlet where are you guys from when did you guys form and you know just introduce yourself we tour somewhere between a bunker in Appalachia down here near West Virginia and Nashville, Tennessee. So somewhere in between there and now Louisville, Kentucky. So somewhere between there, we get together, we play the rock music and then we like go out on tour and we disperse. We met in Los Angeles. We all were out there at one point in time and uh, where we fit in very well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, on the, on the sunset strip people, we might as well have been the aliens there. And, uh, and now we, uh, and then we, and then we left and we toured a lot and now we're here and it's been a weird journey and we did, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So that, that's kind of our story in a nutshell. And a lot of, we got kicked in the balls a lot. So like, so like we get like, we'd have like good momentum and they'd be like, ha, someone like Rochambeau in the nuts and then we'd roll back down a hill and then we'd have to get that momentum up again. So the momentum's going, we're going downhill right now. So we don't get kicked in the balls. Good shit should happen next year. Our nuts are way tougher now, yeah, too. Yeah, the you strongest can. nuts of all Steel. metal bands in America. Steel. Well, I would I would hope so if you're getting kicked that much. Like, yeah. I would you know, hope like so. Shit, Blackie Lawless, like, that he could shoot, like, he has that cup that could shoot sparks and shit. He burned himself pretty bad with that, but, but that's how hard our balls are. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> but less burn. Yeah, but less burn. Less burn. Less, less Kentucky Fried Crispy. That's, that's yeah. what... The- that's correct. <laughs> so, uh, so... Here's because you said you said it's rock music, but I wanted to get into a bit more of the minutia of that, because according to your promo, your sound is, quote, brewed from the essence of Americana, Motorhead and a punk rock attitude. Now, the first thing that I I do think you know, some some publicists wrote that we didn't read. We didn't write that. No, of course not. But I I, I do like I do like to think that that describes the sound pretty well. Uh, But the first, yeah. But but like the first thing that I thought of when I read that was was my ex girlfriend after three Irish car bombs, and also right before eating a pint of Haagen Dazs, which I think also describes the music fairly well as well. But was that um, the sound that? It describes. Was that just a natural sound that came to you guys when you're writing music, or is that something that you have pre-planned? Well, it, it was pretty targeted. Like whenever I we I started out, you know, I came from punk bands. Um, all of us did, you know, in in one way, shape, or form, and and uh, and ended up working. And then I played in like some LA rock bands, and you know, I I the first producer that I like work with that that was like you know, you need to, they kind of actually got to know me a little bit, you know, said was like, nah, man, he's like, you need to tell stories about where you're from. Cause this shit's ridiculous that you tell me. And I were like, and so Ari was like, no, nah, we need to put this to music. So we kind of wanted to do like, if, if you take the essence of old school, like, you know, Molly Hatchet and things like that, but then blend it with like some more punk metal, which would be that's that's motorhead is the blueprint of like where you know punk people think it's cool metal people think it's cool they both argue over what it is you know it's it's lemmy so it's fucking awesome and lemmy doesn't give a shit what you call it you know and um and that that's kind of where we landed so it's always been building off of that uh you know kind kind of blueprint you know so it's like you know we like guitar harmonies we like thin lizzy we like just 
just fucking pentatonic rock, you know, and it comes out, you know, different ways, you know, pretty simple. We didn't reinvent the wheel, you know. <laughs> what he's not telling you is that usually when we get ready to write, we huff like a whole bottle of Dracar. Yeah, there it is. A whole there it is. Of the galore. Yeah. That, that's the essence. We, we don't need Hagen Well, listen, uh, now Sean's all throwing his money around. We actually don't have Dracar. We have to go to the gas station Ooh. and put a quarter in and use like the generic quarter. <laughs> it's like, we go to the bank, we get like five bucks like in quarters and you just fucking boom. And you see the next one right. like, can't get another one. And like, and if there's four of us in the band, we only got to bring a dollar each, a dollar 25. Yeah, right? The men's room so, at the Sunoco is highly recommended. Yeah, that's one. God, I, I love know. this band so much. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's fucking good. But yeah, we hit that. And we're like, yeah. And Sean's like, I got a riff. And I'm like, wait, wait, yeah, I got the harmony of it, man. I'm good. Like, yeah. And then pretty soon it's like, and, and then they, they hit it and the, and, and the bass player, Rich would be like, well, I got this bass. And we're like, shh, it's four strings. And then like, he only plays one, one anyways. Yeah, he <laughs> only needs one chord. Yeah, you're like, what? Well, yeah. It's like, dude, like, it's four strings, not seven. Calm down. What are you doing? <laughs> Rich, we're only fucking with him because he's not here. And we hope he's watching. <laughs> he watch me like, two kids, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, I guarantee. That's the first thing that'll come out of his mouth. Like, you dicks. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you threw me out of the bus. I wasn't here for one second. Be like, absolutely. Oh my God. Uh, but you did mention you were in, you guys came from punk bands. So did you feel like going to the metal side was a part of like a natural progression in your musical career? Or was that just kind of like something you just decided to jump ship to? Well, for me, it was necessity. Like I, I was always, I listened to a lot of different types of music, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that I liked metal wise and, and Southern rock wise. Like when I joined bands, I just couldn't do like, it's like, I can't sing like Bruce Dickinson. I can't play, riffs like fucking uh you know dave mustaine i can't you know i couldn't play harmonies like skinner but i was like i watched like freaking the first punk band come out like in henry rollins or like iggy pop destroyed i was like i can do that you know and it was like and then so join a band and then as you, you we started touring and playing and then then you know gradually we learned to play our our instruments and then it was like you know i still kept the same attitude and approach but like kind of filled in the dots so like you know could get technically proficient enough to do some of the things that i would like to do you know i just Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, Sean, he he just he just woke up and could always play that stuff on guitar, so he skipped a step. He just he just like <laughs> he just jumped up front. That's line. really the easiest route for any kids out there listening. Just yeah. skip that step and just be good. Yeah. yeah don't just practice. Be, yeah. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah, yeah fuck practicing. Who says? Figure out yeah. what you're gonna play. I yeah, really you can't tell you how you shouldn't practice. Right. Because if it's just not a yeah. Given gift, then it's just not gonna yeah, you should just because I spent a lot of I spent hundreds of years or hundreds of years, hundreds of shows like trying to like figure that out. Like I just like I should just skip that step and just been good. Just be good, bro. Yeah, just, just be good. Just, just been good. And then, then it all worked out. That's free advice. Yeah. Free, yeah. We're, we're, we're free, free advice. advice. Don't everybody. practice, just be good. That's yeah, just, just advice. Just, just you write that good. down and look at it every day. You'll, yeah. you'll be great. Yeah. You, you yeah. just like walk in, like you like listen to, yeah. Whenever right. you're set aside practice time, just yeah. put that on the wall and right. stare at that instead. It'll do you way more good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, he's telling the truth 100%. But yeah, that's kind of how the journey goes. I mean, we all, we all have different, left different journeys. Grant got kidnapped by a bunch of like gypsy hippies and they made him play in a jam band for like five years. <laughs> I got through it though. Yeah. He, you know, they're, they're, they're like, dude, they made him like jam. One time they gave him acid and he had to play fish for like 24 hours straight. Oh, no. <laughs> and, you know, when he came back, he was in the group, man. You know, and it was just one of those things that, was, that transformed him. And, <laughs> yeah, he was just totally different. Oh, no shit. You're <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine you coming back the same after that. Jesus yeah. Christ. Oh, okay. No, he's never been the same. Well, we don't say he's the same. You know, he can't, you know, you got that. underwater now. <laughs> <laughs> 
You got he got like trade us and we got it simple because we got a band. We got Grant in our band. Grant is Grant. <laughs> See, only people get that are people that listen to Fish and the Grateful Dead, and they're definitely not gonna watch an interview with us. So like no. that was five minute section that just went over everybody's head, and you're welcome for that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's two things you learned. Yeah, she learned a lot today. <laughs> hey, to be fair, most of this I'm I grew up in the metal scene. I don't know much. I know Fish and uh, Dead Kennedy. Uh, Dead Kennedys, is, I love I love Dead Kennedys, but I don't know a goddamn thing about Fish. So most of this shit is already like phew, right yeah. over my fucking. Well, yeah, you hear the fucking jumping the shark, Jesus. Yeah, Fish is a lot of people that look like they would be at a Grateful Dead concert and they like and they have like these flowy dress on and they spin around a lot and they don't wear shoes and they like try to sell you fucking oh, fish fans wear sandals. Grateful Dead fans don't All right, well whatever. I went to one more <laughs> and there all these fucking hippies and they're trying to sell me like grilled cheese. I'm like, I don't want your dirty grilled cheese hippie. I'm not eating their food, man. I don't know what they're gonna put in that food. Dude, dirty hippie grilled cheese. Come yeah. on, I'm not, dude, I'm not buying the hippie grilled cheese. Man. I don't know. You're missing out. But anyway, punk music, but like we could talk a lot about metal too. <laughs> because like uh, if you if you look, I have a you, you'll appreciate this for a metal guy. On my hollow body guitar, I have a Dungeons and Dragon die, and people always ask me, Ooh. they're like, "Why is there a Dungeons and Dragon die?" And I said, "I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to explain." Because there's one man. I was like, you know what? I want to kill dragons. Who doesn't? Right? Everyone wants to kill dragons. Of course. So now the only person I've ever seen successfully kill dragons with the guitar is Ingve Malmsteen, and he did it on his album cover, and he's posing with this strat, and he's He's killing a dragon. And I know how Ingbe did it. He was probably playing some Paganini shit and he was flying on the scout pet fretboard. And that's how he killed it. Now I can't play, I can't even say Paganini and I can't <laughs> scout fretboard. I can't play fast like Ingbe. But what I can do is roll the dice like a motherfucker. And when I do, I roll the dice, I can kill dragons and Dungeons and Dragons. So there like, you go. if I want to kill a dragon with my guitar, I can't do it like Ingbe does, I have to do it like I do, which is play Dungeons and Dragons. You're welcome. Hit points, baby. Just, I, I, I feel I feel you on that one. I, I feel you on that one because I I see Ingve Malmsteen playing. Just even looking at the guitar, and I'm like, I want yeah. to do that. Can I can I learn, Senpai? Can I learn, please? No, he won't teach you, man. He, he will just, not teach you. No, he'll well, teach I, you for a couple of cheeseburgers. Dude, <laughs> I don't know, man. I saw Ingve one time, and it was amazing. Like it, we're we're all in a hotel lobby. There's a lot of people there, and I was like sitting at the bar as a do. And of course. Like, and I and I watched everybody. It was like the fucking Red Sea parted, right? And like somebody comes walking through, and this this is not too long ago. There's a fellow walking through, and it's fucking Ingve. And Ingve had on these like snakeskin cowboy boots. He had on his blouse, like uh, he had his hair. He had his badass sunglasses on, and he parted like the Red Sea for Ingve. He had his shirt like unbuttoned here. Ingve is not in the best shape of his life right now. No. But- but it didn't matter because, like, yeah. I swear to God, his feet didn't touch the ground. He glided across the floor. And it was just Ingve. And nobody even touched him. We're just like, it's fucking Ingve Malmsteen. He just glided across, disappeared in the sunset. And I'm sure somebody had his Ferrari outside or some shit. But that was, like, the greatest moment I saw. I was like, that was the greatest entrance ever. Like, and with blouse and everything. And it's fucking incredible. Love you, Ingve. It's awesome. Yeah. He would not like her band. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> I feel like he'd be underwhelmed. Oh yeah, yeah, he'd be like, he'd be like, this guy doesn't even know how to play guitar. Like, so. <laughs> Jesus, he should practice. Yeah, yeah. Practice. they still should practice. <laughs> We're gonna send him that sheet of paper that says just don't sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so with with your music, uh, and let's talk, of course, uh, stereo overthrow. So, what was the production of this album like in general? Uh, long man, Jesus. Uh, 
we, we, uh, I wrote a lot of it here in this studio that you see. And, uh, uh, you know, sent the demos to the guy, you know, everybody starts tweaking it, you know, and putting their own thing. And then we just, we were just, just talking story. We decided to do pre-production. We decided it'd be a good idea in November to go to Rhode Island and it snowed the whole time. And it was like the most miserable set of conditions that we lived in. Like our, our van broke and, uh, we had to rent a vehicle and, and we were like in this little room that we stayed in and in the, the bathroom was like two stories down. So we'd have to like pee in bottles and stuff. It was God awful. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, I can tell you guys all about bottle peeing, but that's a whole nother day. No, we're experts. But, uh, yeah, so we did the pre-production there and, um, you know, through the snow in Rhode Island froze our, froze, froze, froze so much, you know, but we did some cool things, you know, got to go into, got to go be on Sirius Radio in New York and stuff when we were there. But then, you know, we came back, sent it to the producers, the producers made some, um, made some tweaks here and there. And uh, then we went to Nashville and recorded it. You know, we went to record it mostly live, you know, went to room and uh, you know, then we, you know, did, you know, did the vocals here. We did, you know, Sean did his, you know, the overdubs at his place. I did some overdubs here and you know, there, that was the album. We sent it back and it took a lot. Um, eons. <laughs> it's a fucking mix. Took eons to mix, uh, and uh, and and we got. And then in the meantime, we put out an EP. <laughs> yeah, so we recorded a whole nother EP and put that out. And then uh, you know when this was done, uh, we released it. So it was, and, and and it came out in in November, and it's it's been doing pretty good. We we've shipped to uh, forty over forty U.S. states and you know five different countries and stuff. So it's it's been pretty good. Yeah, can't complain. Wow. Fantastic. Now, I, I know uh, apparently you recorded the album, uh, most of the album in Nashville. Is that correct? Yes, uh, that's pretty. That's where the bulk of it was recorded. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, I know like most people, they usually record albums out of their bedroom studios. Like I know me personally, I'm actually working on an EP at the moment. And no. it's all, it's all done out of here, basically. Yeah, 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 you can do a lot there. Yeah, so well, what was the reason that you guys chose to go to a studio and do an off-the-floor recording, uh, which I know going to a studio costs money as it is. Over, yeah. You chose that over recording individually in your home studios, which arguably would cost less. What was the decision-making for that? We want to make an album the way like our favorite classic rock stuff was done in the seventies where they, all the band got in a room together and tracked together playing, right. with, uh, playing out of like old tube amps, you know, like we, you put the, we put the Marshall in an isolation room, put it on 11, you know, like the spinal tap and then we cranked the shit out of it and we sit in a room and we play together. If we get ahead of the beat, we flow with it, you know, like, Listen to like War Pigs, man. Like, you know, you don't, mm -hmm. this is famous for going for grooving and you just don't get that, you know, with, with a lot, you know, with everybody just playing on a, and there's a place for that too, you know, but like we wanted that swing, one, the swagger of, of classic rock that we, you know, grew up listening to. And, you know, so we spent uh, more money and did it that way. And yeah, you didn't want to stay on the grid basically. Yeah. Well, you know, as much as we can, you know, Grant's, you know, he, he, he's a human metronome, so he doesn't. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, sometimes well, though, I get a little ahead of things. Yeah. But, you know. Well, I, I mean, obviously, you don't want like sixty-nine different tempo changes in your song. Like, that's, no, <laughs> that's no, obviously no. not. Obviously not. Swing. But yeah, it's just that little. It's that little swing. Breeze. It brings yeah. the nuances of watching alive. Listen, you know, we were just talking about Iron Maiden. Listen to you know Aces High from the World Slavery Tour on uh, Live After Death and uh, or Revelations 
or anything from that they live. It was just, it just has a little bit of that extra mojo, you know, like, and, and that was something that we want to catch, you know, like we, we want to do, um, you know, we wanted to kind of, or, or as much as, you know, we could with that and still be a studio album that still right. sounded modern, you know, that still, you know, had all of those elements, you know, so like vintage modern, I guess, you know, would be the, and don't forget like Luke Bryan and Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney, all those guys were practically beat down the door wanting to be on this record. Yeah. There was a we appreciate, you know, their interest and that they wanted to be a part of it, but we really couldn't let them play because, man, it's fair. We're yeah. Way better than they are. I kicked yeah. Martina McBride in the shins once. Dude, that was Yeah, hard. sometimes. That's yeah. a real story. Yeah, she was, she was, uh, <laughs> She was singing Independence Day and Grant just got sick of her wailing. He just went and kicked her in the shin. It was like, you it's got like, to Oh, my God. <laughs> it's freaking August 7th. It's what like, let freedom. Or that's not rips. I, I would have been excited to see it. Not on August 7th. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, she stabbed his tires. During our when we were actually in Nashville, it was interesting. We got to hang out with uh, John Lennon's son, Sean, and I tried to give him a dip of red, man. And uh, it was backstage with him and Les Claypool and our buddy Walk. Joss, I said, I always get Joss. Joss, many our buddy. We were backstage at the Clayton Lennon Clay, Lennon Claypool Delirium, and uh, yeah, it was so we came down after we were after we had done with the session during the day. It was pretty fun. It was like you know, sitting there talking to John Lennon's son. I'm trying to give him a dip at Red Man Chew, and he 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 was gonna take it, but his lady yelled at him. But it would have been awesome. That would have been a moment. We we could have bonded. That would have been like, <laughs> imagine. Adam and Sean <laughs> taking a dip and it would bring the world together, man. There you go. That is a true story. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I did hear about the story because I, before this interview, I was looking at other interviews you guys did. And one that I saw that you, that Adam, you specifically did recently was with uh, Jay, that Aussie metal guy. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He's a good people. Yeah. Good people. Yeah. He's a good dude. Uh, and I saw that because you were telling the story and you brought it up. It's like your buddy is coming to the town to tour yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was really, yeah, he, he kind of underplayed that one for us. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's out with Mastodon now. Like, this time he knew to hit me up. Like, he hit me up. He's like, hey, I'm out with Mastodon. Would you like to come? He's like, yes, I would like to come see him. There you go. I, I would come yeah. see him with anybody. He's, he's a wonderful dude. But it was funny. Like, this time he just told me straight up. I was like, hey, I want to send you an album. And he's like, oh, I'm out with Mastodon right now. Check out our tour dates if you want to come. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. You're out with Mastodon. That's, but with, that's the, with, the, with the Les Claypool thing, t- hey, tell the story again. Like, how exactly did he play? Uh, up like that that he was coming into town uh he's calling me like he's like are you guys in nashville you know like yeah i'm in nashville he's like hey we're, we're playing down here tonight and you know he's like do you want to come to my show and i'm like oh man we're gonna be at the fucking studio like all day and like uh and i was like just come by the studio you know come by you know hang out with us so he, he comes out of the studio and he's like hanging you know and he's like it's like, yeah, you know, he's, he's like, you know, I try to get, you know, Les to come down to the studio with me, but those guys weren't coming, you know? And you're just like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and I'm just like talking to him. And then he's like, then he was like talking, they start talking about like playing with Getty Lee, right? Like, and he's like, yeah, we're in Canada. We were playing with Getty Lee. And I'm like, wait a minute. Are you, are you, cause I had just seen Les Claypool playing with Getty Lee in Canada. I was like, wait a minute. Were you playing with Les Claypool? And fuck Kenny goes, yeah, I'm here with the clay. The Claypool Lennon conspiracy. And I'm like, oh, or the delirium. I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, well, you kind of undersold that, dude. That's, <laughs> it's that's like, a dude, lead with that. <laughs> I was like, that, that's a pretty big thing. And he's like, yeah, Sean really wanted to meet some real hillbillies. And I'm like, yeah, we'll do that. I was like, that we can do. You know, it's like, you know, it was really cool. It was, it was like, well, big. shoot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll bring my dip and some whiskey. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Oh, fuck. So, yeah, that's how that story went. We got, yeah, we, we're, 
So we, uh, we find ourselves in some interesting things like that. You know, I don't know how we like fall into stuff like that, but like we have, shit just happens. Like that's how that's how this shit goes. You yeah, think. I have and sometimes on my YouTube videos, I always tell Adam Jones true Hollywood stories because I've, I've fallen into some odd shit like that. Where and I and look at me, you know, I don't look like someone that would fall into these stories, and I, and I fucking do, and it's funny. I don't know. I don't really talk about it. you blend into Hollywood like <laughs> you blend into Hollywood really well. <laughs> yeah, we're well, like freaking shh. Just, with the crowd you don't stick out at all part one of my talk was scattered hamlet you can find the links to their socials and to stereo overthrow through the link in the podcast description stick around we've got tdw returning with part three later in the show but coming up in just a moment we'll have our weekly metal news recap right here on the metal robot podcast This week's Metal News Recap is brought to you by My Sanity. Everything is so depressing! Why? To stay up to date with the latest in the metal scene, check out TheMetalRobot.com for videos, reviews, press, and so much more. Now, back into the podcast. Presented by TheMetalRobot.com, this is MRP News. So, okay, I wanted to actually start this off real quick. I just want to take a couple seconds here to give a bit of a PSA here because I'm recording this on uh, the 11th of April, the Monday that I'm putting this podcast up. Well, you know, probably by Tuesday. You know what? Whatever. Like, I'm recording this on the 11th, and I wanted to give a quick PSA going into this segment here and tell you that don't buy glass desks, or at least don't buy glass desks if you have anything that's going to heat up on top of it or just be super heavy on it because... Early this morning, I learned that the hard way when a section of my glass desk fucking exploded. <laughs> it just fucking just crashed and then just everything plummeted to the ground. And it scared the shit out of me because this is six o'clock in the morning. I'm still fast asleep and it's the first thing I wake up to. All of a sudden, I'm in fight or flight mode. I'm like, what the fuck? And the lights were off too. I didn't know what happened. I heard a crash and just, you know, like I can't see anything because it's so early in the morning. So I'm like, I jump out of my bed. I run towards the light and I see glass everywhere. I was like, oh my God. I immediately ran to the, uh, to the front door, grabbed my shoes before I started walking around so I can clean it up. And because I'm no way I'm going to bed now. If I go to bed now, while there's glass on the ground, and I wake up later, it's like, huh, it's a new day, and I put my bare feet on the ground, all of a sudden, new day ruined, so, yeah, th that's guaranteed to, that was not fun, I can say that much, so, bottom line, you know, if you have, uh, if you have a glass desk, just don't get one, or at least, you know, think critically before you get one. And just so you're wondering, I am fine, again, the desk was, like, pretty far away from my desk, thankfully, so, uh, well, the bed was far away from my desk. Uh, I think I said that. I have no idea. But I, I'm doing this off the cuff. But I, regardless, I, I'm getting a new desk now. It's coming in the next uh, couple of days. Well, probably tomorrow, actually, by the time I'm recording this. So hopefully I'll see it, and hopefully it'll be uh, set up quickly enough so I can do the interviews that I promised I would do this week. But for the most part, they're getting pushed back. Uh, so that's great. Either way, uh, let's get into the segment. And also, we're doing one story this time uh, because... There's something that we need to talk about. Welcome to the Grammy premiere ceremony. I'm so happy to welcome all of you to the 64th annual Grammy Awards and the start of music's biggest night here in Las Vegas. So let's talk about the Grammys, a sentence that begins and ends most of my first dates. 
But I'm going to take this time to start a fucking TED talk here on why I don't care about the Grammys and really why you shouldn't be either. This past week, I'd opened up the metal news sites to see what's being talked about, and uh, this past week, well, a week ago, uh, when this was still relevant, that I could talk about further on this podcast and was immediately reminded, oh yeah, the Grammys happened. I almost forgot about such important entertainment while I was wasting my precious time watching YouTube videos about the history of cat memes. You know what? Way worth my time in retrospect. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> because when you get down to it, it's not what happens at the Grammy Awards that's important. For me, at least, it's what happens after that's important that I always focus on, because that's always is what gets me more irate than a local metalcore singer not being taken seriously. Look, buddy, if you would just stop wearing the Lick My Clit shirt, maybe you will be taken seriously. Just a thought. But come on, tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You watch the Grammys live like most bored Americans on a Sunday night, and you get to the best metal performance section, and you see nominees you didn't want. Because they're not the super local black metal band that only you and your racist uncle have heard of. But you keep watching, hoping the better of the crap gets the award, and are disappointed to find the one you didn't want ended up getting it, or are ecstatic that the one band the Academy barely gives a shit about actually gets it. Oh, but you're still pissed at them because a metal legend wasn't featured in their in-memoriam section. Which has happened multiple times, by the way. Remember back when Vinnie Paul was left out? Yeah, it was pretty disrespectful given his impact on the metal culture as a whole, but honestly still not surprising. What about Jeff Hanneman? Yeah, that was pretty disrespectful given his impact on the metal culture as a whole, but still honestly not surprising. And now this year's Grammys, Joey Jordison was left out. And as Rockfeed pointed out on Twitter, he wasn't even unknown to the Grammys, as he accepted a Grammy for Slipknot's Before I Forget back in 2006. So yeah, sing along with me kids, that was pretty disrespectful given his impact on the metal culture as a whole but still not surprising. How many times must we do this song and dance? Every year, we as a community talk about the Grammys like we talk about fucking photosynthesis on a daily basis. We don't, we just don't care. But then the Grammys announce who's nominated, and we're like, okay, that's a decent list of metal bands, maybe they'll get their shit together this time. So we watch it, and we get pissed because everything I mentioned earlier, so we take to our blogs, our social feeds, our dogs who care even less about our petty problems, and then we go back to not caring about the Grammys again, until the next nominee list is announced next year. You ever hear the definition of insanity? Is doing the same thing again and again, expecting a different result. It's a fucking Ouroboros. The Academy has burned us every year, not because they don't feature metal legends in their in memoriam, but because we keep coming back to them every year with the hopes, the hopes that they'll be better. Hoping that they've changed it, maybe will give us the love and care that we have for our music. Please notice us, Senpai Grammys, notice us! I swear, any way you slice this, you can't not describe the metal community in any way other than abuse victims. It's toxic the way we keep doing this to ourselves. That's why I don't watch it. Not because, oh, I'm better than you. <laughs> no, it's because I already know it's going to suck, and I actually value my time. So I just wait until the next morning when the parade of angry tweets comes through, and I start scrolling through loudly making fun of them for my neighbors to hear and care just as much as about. And even worse, it's not just the regular metal fans like you and I that have this problem. Metal news sites and magazines are getting in on this too, including fucking Metal Sucks. 
not just about the Joey Jordison thing, which, okay, fair enough, but also upset that Dream Theater won the award for Best Metal Performance. And the Grammy goes to the Alien Dream Theater. Which I kind of get, actually. Dream Theater is at the point now where they're running out of ideas. But you can tell, at least, they had fun at the awards. They were happy. Even Mike Portnoy congratulated them on Instagram, despite having a semi-complicated relationship with them. But no, Metal Sucks didn't care, though. Quote, The Grammys will never understand us! The Academy will never recognize metal that hasn't been around for forever! Alright, emo Timmy Turner. If you're going to give a negative opinion on the winner of an awards ceremony, maybe you can do so without sounding like you're a preteen standing up to your parents. No, seriously, trade out the words Grammys and Academy with mom and or dad from that quote, and you have the next Blink-182 hit. Oh, and by the way, yes, that is how you sound. If you're going to make any opinion on the Grammys on a major magazine, at least let your balls drop first. And no disrespect to Metal Sucks as a whole. I, I make jokes here, but I love Metal Sucks. I think they're great people. There's a great magazine, great reporting. I've never actually met them, but I'd enjoy the pleasure of meeting them one day. I don't think they'll let that happen after this, but the thought is still there. It's just that year after year of the same shit over and over and over, you'd think we'd learn something by now. But it's almost like we got memory wiped by Will Smith, who in 2022 I'm assuming did so more physically than in the movies. And we just repeat ourselves every time. My point is this, if you're a metalhead and you care about your community and your own mental health, stop watching the Grammys. Just stop. Yes, metal magazines, that goes for you too. I know it'll make grabbing news more difficult the next day, but you'll also fuck the Grammys by not giving them the trending hashtag they so desperately want and need nowadays. Yeah, that won't solve the imaginary problem of the Academy not caring about metal, but if we're being honest about ourselves here, that wasn't going to happen. That was never going to happen. But maybe they'll notice if a big chunk of their listening audience disappears the next year. Just let that thought sink in, let those actions sink in, and just stop watching the Grammys. And that goes for the news segment. I know it's one story and not multiple, but you know what? This had to be said overall, and I highly recommend that, yeah, next year, don't watch the Grammys. Just don't. It makes more sense, and it's, if anything, you'll get your time back. With that out of the way, thanks so much for listening to that section. Check out TheMetalRobot.com for more news and press that can be found throughout the week. This is The Metal Robot Podcast. Stick around. We'll be right back. With the sound design tricks used on the album, how did I not see Demon Trolls coming? A proper metal musician would have said, let's adapt Inferno, and then wrote 20 Metallica riffs, chugged 20 cans of Blue Ribbon, and passed out in his own vomit. I'm just going to call it C-3PO and R2's Evening Getaway. Tom Ellis! Uh, wait. An effective way to have human interaction if you're an introvert. Hey, thanks for coming. How was the traffic? Signature Connors' Inferno Review Part 2, only on Metal Robot Reviews. 15 plus artists, multiple cultures, multiple languages, one almost unpronounceable name. What the fuck does it say? It's pronounced homoiousios. How? There's 20 O's. It's Latin. What'd you expect? The ultimate collaboration project of 2022. Homoiousios, a symphonic, death, blackened, thrashing, grooving, core fast. You're listening to NRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. 
That's right, it's time for the end to a three-part saga. Tom, TDW DeWitt, is back one last time, or at least until he comes back on the show again, to talk about TDW. If you want to hear the first two parts of this three-part interview, you can check them out in episodes 23 and 24 of MRP, which can be found in the podcast playlist either on YouTube or in the podcast show list on wherever you're listening to this podcast. Now, you don't actually need to hear those parts if you don't want to. Uh, they're there if you want to get the full picture of what we're talking about, but you don't need to watch, listen to them ahead of time to get what's going on in part three. But they're there. I would appreciate it if you check them out. So with that in mind, this is Tom TDW DeWitt Part Three. So we got a couple more questions here before yeah, before we head out because we've been yes. here for oh god, how long? Like an hour and an hour and fifteen. <laughs> hey, it's okay. You know what? More content for the podcast. Um, so it's a lot of content. <laughs> a lot of content. Yeah, that, yeah. You're really helping with that. Thank you. But <laughs> but I got a couple more questions here because uh, yeah, there's a couple things that you talked about on uh, with other people. So. You did an interview with uh, Jay, that Aussie metal guy, back in like late 2020 when you were yeah. talking about uh, the day the clock stopped. You mentioned that a friend of yours uh, was playing a song, uh, your song Sleepless Angels, for their kid to fall asleep. Yeah. Uh, and it is actually working. First yeah. off, first off, because this is like two years or so ago, first off, does she still do that? <laughs> or uh. is, the kid, is the kid craving for 2112 now? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, it's 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 interesting because that was um the, yeah that was this, this this friend of mine and she had a had a <sighs> wow the, the the one story you picked out. I don't know. I think the kid kind of got over the needing music to fall asleep phase in in a, in a certain way, you know. But it's I, I get why Sleepless Angels work because she actually loved the record, you know for. The record being the record but i get why that song is a good pick because it's so dreamy it and 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 you can actually play it on loop you can play it on loop and it will loop relatively well i guess so by yeah. that logic you know it's it i, I get why it, it could be a good fit but it was <laughs> i remember hearing that and just thinking like oh i just hope she doesn't understand what this is about <laughs> I hope she doesn't. I hope she doesn't read the lyrics as a bedtime story. Because <laughs> I, I think you're now we're gonna listen to. We're listening to a grown man die. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I think the way you described it too with with uh, Jay was that was that it's both adorable and macabre at the exact yes, same time. It, 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 it's like it's okay. This is fucked. It's also ah, but it's also fun. You know, it's, it's, it's both. Yeah, but it's, it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just like, this is nice. You read the lyrics. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's also the exact way you described it too. It's like, this is an oh kind of song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, but to be fair, it's like I, um, what I noticed with the days the clock stopped, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because what I felt, um, I'm not going to lie, there's been, there's still moments, I mean, I work so hard and I do so many things and sometimes, sometimes things reach thousands of people, sometimes they don't. And it's like, if there's a certain expectancy that you have in life, like, okay, if you work hard enough, you're going to reach those bigger crowds, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't, I'll just be honest. Like, you know, I reach a relatively small crowd, but I reach a dedicated crowd. And I've learned by now that I've seen bands actually reach those bigger crowds out of nowhere, like bands that have one album out and that suddenly explodes or whatever. And they are never happy. You know, they're never actually happy at that point because it only means you want to go for more. 
it only means that you're you'll never be satisfied. And you what chase learned, that high all the time. Uh, yeah, basically that. And it, it, well, it's a bit like that South Park, you know, chasing a dragon. Catch me, catch me. You know, like, yeah. like that, that, kind of, <laughs> that kind of attitude. And I tend to think now that um, even though I still, we all have our moments of weakness. We all have our moments of thinking, oh, fuck, you know, like why, why, why are things not exploding as big as I would want it to or whatever, because there's always that ambition in your brain. But I'm now also kind of at ease with the fact that if I have, say, 200 people worldwide actively listening, and I know there's more, but if that is the crowd that actually buys your record, sits down, reads the lyrics, actively takes it in, in this day and age of overwhelming amounts of info being bestowed upon you every day, then that is actually so valuable. That means so much more than those sale, the higher sales numbers or whatever, because it means that I've actually legitimately reached someone. And weirdly enough, that kid, I think the kid was like, what, three or four? At that point. You mentioned in the interview, it was like five months <laughs> at the time. Oh, we're really, really tiny then. Yeah. No, it's like, I know the thing is, it's not just one kid. Like I've heard this from multiple people, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, but it's like that kid, has heard this now and, and will internalize it. And I like the idea that at a certain point that kid might be like, what, 20? Might be like, there's this weird melody in my head and I, for the love of God, I cannot. Yeah. And then starts YouTubing and then finds the video or whatever. And I love the romance in that. I love the fact that they might find a video and then realize like, my mom was a sick lady. Uh, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> that, that kind of situation. You know, like, why was she playing me this? I don't know. I mean, so, when, when you really think about it, like most songs that we that we hear as kids, like whether they are like actual like like songs that are made for commercial radio or for mm. commercial uh, purposes or just lullabies of some kind. Like right. yeah, yeah. you ever heard of the song Ring Around a Rosie? Like, you know, uh, well, I, I, I've, well, I've heard it, but I don't know it. It's a very American thing, obviously. So, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like pocket like pocket full of posies. Like you look up the, the lyrics that are, and you look at the meaning behind like Ring Around the Rosie, pocket full of posies uh, and you realize Oh, oh. <laughs> this is supposed oh. to be for kids? It sounds happy, at least. Uh, it sounds kind of, happy. That's the important thing. Yeah. Um. And, 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 and you can repeat it a million times. And oh, man. Yeah. That Oh, that that is. But, but to be fair, it's like, it's the same with fairy tales. I mean, you got to realize that most of the fairy tales, Red Riding Hood, um, like uh, Snow White, the Seven Dwarfs, all these mm-hmm. things had dark fucking origins, man. It's like, obviously, the, the versions that we got fed, say, and in, I mean, we have a bit of a generation gap, but when I was like younger in the 90s and you're younger in the early 2000s, it's like the versions we got read obviously were kidified. But if you read the original, re- the original versions are dark as fuck. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, all, like, death, um, it's all death and decay and, and, and just, whoa, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Like, um, like the original story for Little Mermaid was pretty fucked up. Oh, original man. story, Like, Disney movies oh. in general have, like, kidified. Oh, the original story of Pocahontas. Um oh. Oof, oh, oh. Oof, the original story for uh, Hansel and Gretel, which not Disney, but still. Um, there's so many, like, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot uh, of death, li- Hansel and Gretel, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the Three Little Pigs, like, there's so many, like, dark origins to kids' stories. All of a sudden, like, modern day is like, we should probably, like, reword a couple of things here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, okay, it's like, I could just imagine a pitch of, like, you know, like a boardroom, and then, like, uh, one of these people of the original 1600 comes in, is like, I wrote a fairy tale. And then he reads it, and then, like, there's this, there's, like, three people on the other side that's like, 
Yeah, okay, Hans. Um, we appreciate <laughs> the message, but it might need some tweaking. <laughs> you, know, like, you might want to take the, some of that edges off. A bit less little, death, you know. But maybe. A little, little bit of rephrasing. Yeah. Like uh, the child death I mean, is definitely not a good thing. It is really good. It just needs a little bit of work, you know. Like, needs a bit of magic. How, how about we uh, just, how about we add a, uh, add a catchy song that's going to be uh, remembered <laughs> for years to come? <laughs> that'll, that'll make it kitty friendly. Which, which just happens to be extremely sellable and we can slam on the lunchboxes. But that's beside the point. Exactly. Um, Next mm. thing you know, under the sea, under the sea. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I love Little Mermaid, though. It's a great movie, but that, that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if, if you read the original, it's like, wow. Yeah, okay. That happened. Uh, <laughs> that did happen, yeah. Dark. Dark. Oh, fuck. Uh, but uh, one of the other things that, that you talked about, a different interview, actually, because uh, you mentioned in the past that you You've are... You've really done your research. I love that. I did. And I did most of it today because I just, w I woke up like four hours ago. I was like, <laughs> oh, shit, no I forgot you. to do this. I've been working all weekend. But uh, one of the things that, uh, one other thing that you did was uh, uh, you talked about how uh, that you are passionate about political issues. Uh, specifically, I think you talked about this with Schwermetalisch. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, uh, and I am. Supermentalist, yes. And yet it seems that on your socials, again, going back to your socials, they're completely devoid of the subject. So I guess my question is, and I'm sure that whatever you say, any of my people on my friends list, take note. How do you have that kind of restraint in well, 2022? Uh, no, the thing is, look, it's like, um, I don't, but I, I throw it out in different ways. And I think that... Um, what, what I've kind of learned to accept, and th this is a harsh, harsh lesson, but um, I have a lot of definite, um, passionate opinions about things. But what I learned over the years is what I'm, um, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm not voicing, I'm not sweet, I'm not sugarcoating anything when I say this, but what I've sure. learned over the years is that I've met, for example, I've met a lot of people who are, involved in political parties in the Netherlands we have we don't have the system you guys have we have like multiple parties you can choose from and then they have to work together that's kind of how that works you know yeah um, I, I think the Canadian political system is kind yeah, of similar I, I, yeah I think you guys, you guys have, a, have a bit of the same we thing have, going we, on yeah it's not the same thing because I know we have we have the liberals we have the conservatives and we have the right. uh, the yeah. new democratic party but um it, it's a bit different it's still a bit different from the US and I, I guarantee right. miles different from the Netherlands and, and it's just the way that it works for us is the, the Dutch have always been good at a thing called polderen, uh, which is the, which is the act of actually creating land from the sea, because that's what we're known for. That's what we've done. Mm -hmm. And polderen means that you work together with a party that might not necessarily be in, well, might actually be very far apart from you. But if it's like, okay, I give you this, if I can have this, you know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of way of doing politics. And I would say it's the best worst thing we have, because I can't really think of a better democratic system and i but there's like a lot of worse examples than this so that's kind of what we're rolling yeah. with you know that's what it feels like i feel and, like i feel like many people in america would probably be like well at least something's getting done <laughs> yeah because that's it. no but it's like actually a lot gets done but unfortunately also a lot of bad things get done because it's like it, it's lots politics, of trade-offs politics is obviously really hard and yeah i, I'm, 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 I am choosing words carefully because that's what I've learned is like, I have quite a few people around me who don't vote the same parties I would vote for. And still I love them because mm -hmm. I believe that for an open view of the world, 
I do need to, like, if I only surround myself with people going, yeah, all the time, then, well, yeah, then there's not a lot of thinking going on, you know, right. it's like, so I do, well, there's one line that I always draw. And the line that I draw is if you don't treat me with respect, then, I, then we're done. You know, like there's no talking. Exactly. You do it. The, mo- the moment you start calling me names or whatever, or the moment you start calling me sheep or whatever, it's like, okay, fuck you. That, Sir but, man that, bun, like nothing like that. It's like, you know, it's like, that's the kind of stuff I'm just not, because the moment you start doing that, there's mm-hmm. no debate anymore. There's no discussion anymore. Yet I am never made a secret out of the fact that I'm pretty left-wing on the spectrum. I am, and I'm unashamedly so. But that doesn't mean that if I would talk to someone who is right-wing and who has a decently supported story, I wouldn't listen. Because I've mm-hmm. there are definitely things on both ends of the spectrum that I can agree and disagree with. Hell, I've been arguing with a lot of left-wing people as well, even though I am left-wing. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I just blindly agree with everything that's being said on that angle. You know what I mean? It's right. like... I. That's also why, for example, I could never become a part of one political party because I've never found the political party that does literally what I want. Like, I, 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 for me, voting, actually, we're voting this week. I'm probably going to vote tomorrow because we can vote for a few days. We're voting for local governments here in the Netherlands now. So it's, it's right. a bit smaller, but it's important because the local mm-hmm. governments make uh, choices about housing, about what happens to the green uh, green areas, those kind of things. Pretty pretty big deal, I'd say. And the thing is that, I know for a fact that I'm surrounded by people who vote differently and I can be pretty brutal regarding my criticism of those parties and Mm. I'll never stop doing that. But what is funny is that I had people say, oh, you're so positive on the socials. And then in real life, you're so brutal sometimes. I'm like, yeah, because I feel that it makes more sense to be brutal about people, what they're voting in their face. I can tell someone to not vote for a certain party on Facebook, but you know what that will bring me? That will bring me, what, 15 likes from the people that agree with me and a comment section that is literal cancer. Sorry for using that word, but that's literally what it's hey, going to be. It's not going to fix the, like that won't do shit. But the moment I talk to someone who tells me, hey, I vote for this party and I'm like, okay, thanks. You've, you're voting for the party yeah. that literally destroyed my life the last 20 years. That is way more impactful saying that to someone's face and then seeing if they, yeah. have, if they have the gusto or the balls to actually talk back and have a conversation with me after that. Well, yeah, because it, the one thing that you learn pretty quickly is that this is something I learn too whenever I get into discussions about this. Like, I'm very quiet when it comes to my political views on the internet because right. no one needs to know what party I vote for, which party well, I think is, is dick balls. But what? But the <laughs> thing balls. I've learned... <laughs> dick, dick balls. Vote, but, vote dick balls, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I learned is that, yeah, in it's like when you're online, the anonymity of who you are is very, very, it makes it easier for you to be like, well, it, well, I hope you get fucked with a chainsaw, there you, you know, go. like, yeah. but when you're in person and, and you know, you, it, when you have the balls to be, to say something like that to that person in person and they're like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a different yeah. story. Cause like, and, and, and what I also tried to do is like I said, like just, just to rephrase it, I'm not saying you made my life miserable. No, but the party, person, uh, you're saying the party did. Exactly. But That's, it's, I, I am yeah. angry with parties. I'm angry with institutions. If there, there's a few political parties that have been in control in the Netherlands for a longer time, and I can see factually that my life got worse because of them. You can see all the policies they voted and everything they stand for. So mm-hmm. then my conclusion is, fuck those parties. 
Does that yeah. mean that everyone who votes for those parties is is evil? No, of course not. No, like that there's, would be there's ridiculously people ridiculously stupid. Yeah, because there's people I'm friends with I disagree with all the time, and I'm and I'm just like you know what, I, whatever. Like it is, it is right. what it is. Exactly, and this is why. So, so if you're telling me why do you practice the restraint, it's really more of a logic thing that I'm like, it makes no sense. There's no point. I, I could I could post about the things that, and I am off. Like I'll tell you right now, and everyone who doesn't believe me. There is days that I'm so fucking frustrated and fed up with people voting for certain things that I'm legitimately angry and that I mm -hmm. sometimes feel sorry for my neighbors for hearing me go, <laughs> you know, like I can be like that. <laughs> but what I then try to do, what, what I try to do is, first of all, maybe do a loud hearty fuck to this guy and then I'll start thinking, okay, but why am I angry? What angers me in this case? And often it's either me feeling like shit because I'm a highly sensitive person and sometimes you just don't have your day and then those things can anger you right. or it can actually be a legitimate reason to be angry. And then I'd rather write about it and put it in a song than have a useless argument on the internet that is not going to help anybody because right. it only will vilify people. You know, it's, it, there's no point. And, and it's like, like I said, I, I think, th like, uh, there's obviously limits to what I'm willing to accept. I've unfortunately, for example, had a situation with a band member that was very, very much on the other side of the spectrum and was starting to become a bit of an, well, he was being an asshole about it. So he got fired. And I'm not saying who it was, but that happened. Mm -hmm. But then I didn't fi fire him over to different views. I vi fired him over the fact that he treated me like an asshole, that he was being an asshole. You know, that, that, that's what he was doing. I yeah. fired him over that. You, you it's can, the personality over the end of the day rather than right. their political views. Right. And, and so... Like, if anyone wants to know what's TDW's political views, I'm like, well, you can talk to me in real life and I'll tell you. And I've, I've dropped some hints here and there. But even then, like I said, it's not a clear-cut case. I could be – there's things in which I'm actually – when I'm looking at there, – there are certain subjects in which I'm actually pretty right-wing, relatively speaking, more of a liberal. Mm -hmm. But then there's also things in which I'm actually far more of a socialist because I'm like, okay, sorry, but that's just not going to fly for me. So if I look at my – spectrum thingy then i tend to end up in the same corner but still not agreeing with anyone <laughs> because all the parties <laughs> have a different way of solving it which makes me go like yeah but that's not what i want either nah, <laughs> you know, nah. Like, yeah, it's like that's what it feels like and and then you kind of and and i know that this is a general thing that i've heard from a lot of people around me like even if you completely disagree with with me and my policies or whatever, but I, I heard this from all sides of the spectrum. There's like a lot of people saying like, yeah, I kind of just pick the ones that make the least mistakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like, okay. Um, For me, it's the lesser of two evils, essentially. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Then again, I'm also a pessimist. So, you know, that's, that's something that usually ends up coming up in my voting. <laughs> no, and it's hard, man. It's like yeah. regarding pessimism and regarding the negative side of things, it's like, I know that the way I, I voice myself on the socials and what I do, I, I want to go for positivity because I feel that negativity is easy. I could easily fill a timeline with negative shit, but first of all, it's not going to bring me anything. It's only going to bring me more aversion. And yeah. um, second of all, I, I, I kind of feel that it's, it's almost cheap. You know, like, like I, I, I that, that's what it is because it's easy. A part of my life, maybe that's also why I make this ridiculous music and everything. It's like, I kind of feel it's cheap. It's cheap to just 
yeah, fuck this and fuck that. I'm like, yeah, okay, good on you, man. But I'm just going to click the unfollow button now because you just don't seem that likable. And No. You know. <clears throat> exactly. All right. So coming from all of that towards... <laughs> uh, <Sorry>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I kind of opened Pandora's box on that one. That's okay. So, we just, But we're coming to the end here. And after this entire uh, long discussion about TDW, Tom DeWitt, what's in the future for Tom DeWitt. Obviously, of course, you were talking, we were talking about uh, the new Dreamwalkers uh, Inc. album coming out in next year, probably next year. Yeah, yeah, probably um, start next year. Yeah. yeah, but what else is coming down the pipeline for the Proggy Boy here? Uh, what's uh, coming down the pipeline? The Proggy Boy. Uh, the Proggy Boy. It, it me. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I for, for me, it's really like, there's there's quite a few things that are in my head that I want to that I want to work on which are all still floating around. And I, I've learned by now that the floating around process also, um, because I've, I've with, you know, you, you know, today's the clock stopped and then I did fountains yeah. in like six months afterwards, which is incredibly quick for my standards. And mm-hmm. I feel that um, I love how they both turned out. I'm proud of both of them. Um, but I also kind of want to take my time, well, first of all, doing Dreamwalkers Inc., but also just letting those ideas that are happening in my head for TDW gestate a little bit, because I have a few ideas which are going to be pretty big once they actually happen, but they also need the prep time. You know, they, they need to cook a bit more before I can actually get them out there. Right. And that is, it's fine, actually, because when I did The Days the Clock Stopped and Fountains, that was the feeling I had with the Dreamwalkers Inc. album. And the guys all agreed. They were like, okay, we need to let these demos settle for a bit. You know, we need we need some period to listen to it, internalize it, come up with new things. And then at a certain point, it goes like the collective microwave, ding! And then you just know, okay, now's the time to start working on this. You know what I mean? And that's, so in a way, I kind of am doing, if, if it is an infinity symbol, which I believe it is in a way, it's like if I was here with TDW and this was Dreamwalkers Inc., we're now actually like this. And now mm. we're working on Dreamwalkers Inc. And TDW can just be. And I might release a few separate songs. I have some ideas for separate songs. There's a few covers I still have that I really would like to do. A few really weird ones, uh, which 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 is just fun. It's just fun to work on. But those will be like YouTube streaming release, and that's it. Because I do want the focus to be on that Dreamwalkers Inc. record now, because that deserves it. It's a, it's a big project, and it deserves the attention. So yeah, there you go. All right. Well, Tom, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate I'm pretty sure we're like two podcasts later by the time we finish this interview, but yeah. thank you so much because <laughs> we've been talking for so long here. And I, I really do appreciate Hey, you know what? That's okay. You just filled up my podcast schedule for the next month. Uh, so, it's okay. <laughs> so you can go to Barbados. Woohoo! <laughs> so, well, thank, you, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Tom, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And I, I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, for, when you have, while, while we have, Fuck, we have as much time as we want over here. So shout out anything that uh, you have right now, anything that with uh, any of your projects, any of your socials. Well, um, I, I want to shout out, obviously, I want to shout out um, a lot of other people, actually. I want to shout out Threats of Fate because they released the, their album, The Cold Embrace of the Light, last Friday. And I think it's an amazing record. If you like depressing, symphonic, dark stuff, you should check it out. Um, Iris Divine is working on the new album, which we're releasing, which is going to be really, really killer. Like I'm, I, it's, I'm kind of giddy because I already know what's coming, you know, like I've heard the album, like, 
you know, it's going to be fun to see that. <laughs> um, Bioplan is a new, there's a new, uh, new EP coming up for Bioplan, which we announced, uh, Andy Kravlyach's project, which is going to be really fun, especially if you're into video games, because he based it around 80s video games and the aesthetic around it. So there's a lot of beeps and boops and, and things going on, and it's really killer. Um, what else? What else? What else? Oh, yeah. Uh, a Payron Bound uh, from uh, my good friend Andrew Stout. That's a band that I'm also releasing the debut album for. And we're now starting this whole uh, promotional process. And the, f- the first video is coming out on the 25th of March that I really want people to watch and listen to because it, it's it's the kind of face melting, uh, face melting extreme prog that lovers of both death metal and progressive metal will love. I think it's it's definitely good shit. Um, what else? Well, of course, uh, follow, follow me on the socials, um, and, and, you know, click, click buttons to do so. And if you don't, then, well, you're missing out on quality content about random stuff. And, um, that, that's really important. I'm so good at promoting myself. Can you hear? Um, I can then, hear. It's perfect. <laughs> and, um, also, also for those of you who are interested, because yeah, the, the stupid ears and everything, like I said, for those of you who didn't see the first episode, it might see the second episode because this is the second episode. These ears are a part of my streaming thing. Someone made me a dare saying, if you wear those stupid ears on your headset while streaming, then, uh, you're going to be a legend. And I'm still not a legend, but I'm at least wearing these ears and they're really comfy. So I'm quite okay with that. <laughs> but I'm doing a thing called stream walking every two weeks. Uh, the next session is going to be next Tuesday, so the 22nd of March. And that's a stream in which in three hours time, I start with nothing, an empty Cubase screen. And together with the live chat, we're going to think of a subject and a music genre that I need to write into. And so far that has delivered um, Doom Polka, uh, Ambient... Uh, sleepy music, <laughs> country post-punk, and um, uh, grind, jazz grindcore, and, um, and and it's 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 just a lot of fun. And it's for me, it's also a great way because my music is pretty serious with TW Dreamwalker things, all really serious, dark, complex stuff. And I actually really like doing those streams because then I'm forcing myself to make something in three hours, and it doesn't have to be perfect, and and it can just be stupid, and it can just be fun, and well. Just it's it might this this is gonna sound really stupid, but I've sound I've sold serious records by doing this. So mm-hmm. I can only say that to all the people in the past, I'm just gonna do this unironically. Everyone in the past who said, Yeah, you shouldn't do that because then they won't take you seriously in a metal sphere. Suck it. Because <laughs> Yeah, well, no <laughs> Metalheads don't take themselves seriously as it is. Some do actually. I should probably rephrase on that, but <laughs> there's yeah, plenty the, of those those are the ones I don't want to hang out with anyway, man. I mean no, I don't have a good no. time for fuck's sake. And plus you're also the kind of person who you also the kind of person who on your YouTube channel I know you you put a, a mini song. This wasn't as, associated with uh, sleepwalking, but it oh, was yeah. uh uh, stream walking, sorry. It yeah. was with um, it was so, it was like just weather changes, and it was just talking about how that, how the fucking weather is non consistent. <laughs> yeah, that was, <laughs> was like, that was fun because someone just because someone posted like seriously, we had winter yesterday and now it's spring. What the fuck? And and that, <laughs> and that just made me giggle. And I was like, okay, I think I could do like da 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 just do some pop punk chords it underneath fun. it. And then we have a song. You know? <laughs> there you, there go. you go. Exactly. So it's all fun times with TDW and Tom DeWitt. So thank you so Trying. much once again, Tom, for coming on the podcast.
Thank you for having me. It was, was a pleasure. And that's a wrap for the TDW Trilogy. Big thanks to TDW once again, Tom DeWitt, for coming on and chatting with me. It was an absolute pleasure, and I'd love to have him on again sometime soon. All of his links can be found in the podcast description. Check him out. Check out his music. Check out his streams. Check out everything about him. The dude is a really awesome dude, and I highly recommend you check him out. All right, let's wrap this up. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. You just listened to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. The Reign of Fire has begun, so it's time to wrap this podcast up. I'll be off next week for Easter, and also because my desk shattering kind of fucks me here, but we'll be back on the following week with Scattered Hamlet for part two of my talk with them. If you enjoyed the chaos that was part one, you'll certainly enjoy part two. Also, Sunfire TV, popular toad lover, I mean Twitch drummer, will be coming on the show as well. She's been on the podcast before, but now she'll be back to talk about what it feels like to go viral and even ask the question, why did this not happen sooner? All this and more in the next episode. In the meantime, thanks for listening to the Metal Robot Podcast. You can follow the show on the internet, YouTube, Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook and Twitter at The Metal Robot, Instagram at The Dot Metal Robot. You can also check out everything Metal Robot on TheMetalRobot.com for videos, reviews, press, and so much more. I'm Tom McKay. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'll see you in the mosh pit next time. Have a good night. <laughs>